Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. ahead and jump into chapter 13 on leadership and I love talking about this chapter there's several chapters I, t- I like talking about all of them but some more than others uh, leadership is one of those ones that I really like talking about it's a, it's a timely chapter and it's it's an important chapter in talking about management so what do you guys think the difference between management and leadership is I'll get in that in a second yeah what do you what do you think that is yeah what did you say Yeah, I've, I did tell you, basically, managers focus on doing things right, like they're supposed to be done. Leaders focus on doing the right thing. Because over time, what you find is that managers, if they stick to that script of doing the right thing, eventually that gets outdated, and that's not the right thing to do anymore. Leaders write the book, managers go by it. That's another good way to put it, yeah. So... Um, Leaders focus on what should we be looking at. L- managers focus on looking at what's in front of them. You know, like this is what we're supposed. This is what we're doing. But leaders focus on what, what's next. That's the question. What's next? Um, there's a great quote by a guy named Tony Robbins. I, I kind of have a <laughs> kind of mixed feelings on Tony. I like some of his stuff. Other stuff I don't like. But I do try to take what I do. You know, what can use from people. And he had a quote that says. Um, you're always managing two businesses if you're a business manager. You're managing the business that you have and the business that, that it's becoming. Because every business has to evolve. Every individual has to evolve. And without that evolution, you're going to be left behind. Um, you know, there was this debate, it's still going on years ago, but it's still, still present, about letting kids use cell phones, right? That's, that was kind of a taboo thing. When I was a kid, I'm talking like 10 years old, 12 years old, uh, I grew up playing Super Mario. And then in the 80s, they came out with these violent games, shooting games, Mortal Kombat, things like that, you know, started coming out. Very violent video games. And there was this debate on, do violent video games make kids violent? And so if I kill somebody in a video game, is that going to occur in reality? And so, like, the, the science is kind of, you know, wishy-washy on this. I mean, there's been, there's been several different studies. But generally speaking, no. Like, you can watch a violent film and not go out and perform a violent act, you know. Do, but does it have a cumulative effect? In some individuals, probably yes, you know. But most individuals, that's not going to create that type of, uh, that type of reaction. Um, but today, like cell phones, you know, do, or, or is it good for a, a preteen or teenager to have a cell phone and be able to have access to the Internet? Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, like I said, I grew up with video games and technology. I think that was a tool of benefits to be, to be able to interact and use technology. Um, I think parents have to have limits or boundaries that they set. But I think to deny a kid access to technology is a problem, you know, because they're going to grow up in a world that's very much technology-laden. There's a lot of tech around, and they need to have some... Uh, that's, that's tr- another ex- example is try to, like, have somebody exist in a world where they don't speak that language, right? And technology is a language that we have to be able to 
uh, use on our day, in our daily lives. Like things, just fundamental things that we take for granted, like email, right? I mean, there's people today that don't know how to use email. And I'm like, how do you not know how to use email? That seems like, so, I mean, I know people in their 80s that know how to use email. Come on, you can, you can figure it out. Let's, let's talk about it. But there are people that are very technology illiterates. And so I want my kids to have that literacy to be able to, to function. So leadership is about figuring out where we are and where we're going to be. And, uh, and since we see this massive influx of technology in our society now, leaders have to anticipate how will these things impact us? How will this impact our business? Um, I bet if you go back to the beginning of the days of the Internet, I was there, nobody could have really foresaw social media and the impact that we have now to be able to send out information and it be viewable to millions of people almost instantly, you know. So that, that's a big lever that gets pushed every day. Um, so how does that impact business? You know, you can have somebody, you know, these review systems. Do you guys, we talk about this. you guys read reviews before you buy products? I do. I read a ton of reviews. I watch videos on YouTube about products. I, I watch unboxing videos. You guys do this? Yeah, everybody does. So, yeah, but... That is a nice tool, it's a lever, but it could also hurt you because if a consumer has a bad experience, where does it go? Straight to Yelp or straight to YouTube or uh, some blog, it ends up, you know. So these things, you know, the challenges are greater than ever for leaders to make sure their products and services are actually providing value because if they don't, the consumer is definitely gonna let somebody know on the internet. Uh, I've had, bad reviews before, and I've considered posting it on Facebook. You know, like, I actually did do this one time. It's a true story. I was at Target, and I was at the, not Target, this was Staples. I was at Staples, and I was at the print center, you know, where they make copies and stuff. So I'm standing there, and there's a cashier about 30 or 40 feet away from me at the cashier, uh, at, on the other end, you know, where the cashiers are. And that person was standing there eating candy and looking at a magazine. And here I am at the print center just waiting for somebody to notice me. And I'm looking at the cashier. The cashier's not looking at me. So I took, turned around took a selfie of myself with the cashier in the background. And guess what I did? I posted it on Facebook, and I tagged Staples. How about Staples responded to me? And they said, we're sorry that you had this experience, and we've notified the store manager, and that associate has, has had a conversation. I'm not trying to get that person in trouble, but I am trying to hold the store accountable for customer service, right? Like, I shouldn't have to stand there for 10 minutes. And I was just dropping off a package. I just wanted to drop off their, their UPS drop-off center. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't have to hunt down somebody. And maybe that was a little bit of a jerky thing for me to do, you know, but I'm making a point. If you care about customer service, you know, these are expensive stores to operate. You want to have superior customer service. This cashier should have said, okay, I see this person standing there. I'm going to take an interest in this. Even though that may not be my area, I'm going to call somebody to come, you know, help this customer. So um, so the chapter outcomes for leadership, what is the nature of leadership and the leadership process? What are the processes associated with people coming to leadership positions? How do leaders influence and move their followers to action? What are the trait perspectives on leadership? What are the behavioral perspectives? What are the situational perspectives? What does the concept of substitute for leadership mean? What are the characteristics of transactional, transformational, and charismatic leadership? And lastly, how do different approaches and styles of leadership impact what is needed now? Um, the military does a really good job for this. They have leader profiles, and they will select a leader to accomplish 
the tasks they need. During World War II, General Patton was a all-the-ground tank uh, expert. He, he knew a lot about um, how to deal with tactical warfare using tanks and battalions and things like that. And he was so good at it that the Germans feared that name of Patton. They actually used that tactically to say they'd sent out some different disinformation. Uh, this is just an example of the German army. And they said Patton's going to be over here with a battalion you know, of tank, a tank regiment. And so they're focusing their resources on Patton. Meanwhile, the Allies were over here behind them. It was a total like deception, art of war type stuff. They even inflated fake tanks. They had fake tanks set up over here that were just blow-ups. So the German uh, scouts could see them and think, okay, Patton's over here. They got a whole big fleet of tanks. We need to prepare for that. And then they caught them off guard. This was a real strategy they used in World War II, and it worked. And so we select the right leader for the right moment, you know, and we use that in order to accomplish what we need. In a management scenario, sometimes you need an authoritarian who could come in and say, I don't care about your feelings. This, we're in a crisis. We need to get this done right now, you know. Like, that's not always fun for everyday business, but sometimes you need a crisis manager to step in and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Get on board with it or get out. Not, once again, that's not, that's not nice to hear, not fun, but some emergencies or crisis situations, you need a crisis manager to step in for those. All right, so leadership is frequently defined as a social, interpersonal influence relationship between two or more persons who depend on each other to attain certain mutual goals in a group situation. Effective leadership helps individuals and groups achieve their goals by focusing on the group's maintenance needs. The need for individuals to fit and work together by having, for example, shared norms and task needs. So there's a lot to unpack in that one little statement. So influence relationship, that's the key metric. Uh, somebody who's influential to another, either through authority or through charisma. They, 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 some, somebody is buying into the individual because they believe in them. And you could have a combination, no authority and a lot of charisma or authority and charisma, you know. So uh, focus on make groups, maintenance needs is the other key part. What do we need to maintain, to maintain this group dynamic? What do we need to manage our tasks, our task needs to get the job done? These are things that leaders focus on. So what is our group dynamic? How can I address that? How can I address our... Uh, how can I influence individual and group dynamics? And how can I influence the tasks that they do? As a leader, my job is to make your job easier. I'm not here to make your job harder. That's not, that doesn't work, right? I want to make what you do more efficient and easier. How could, like, if I was to step into a leadership role, I would ask, what can I do to make your job better? What can I do to make your life easier? You know, what barriers do you have that creates problems for you? Maybe we can address that, you know. That needs to be the approach you take in leadership. So we talked about managers versus leaders already. Generally, managers, they're focused on day-to-day -day operations. Just keep this going. Keep this machine running, and then when we need to change things, we will work with you to, to create, create that change. But businesses are constantly changing. They have to. The reason why is because the consumer preferences are changing. What worked for now doesn't always, is not always going to work, right? Uh, we see products and services getting updated all the time, you know. Uh, we've gone through 13 versions of the iPhone, for example, and the reason being is because the consumer, 
demands is going to If iPhone said we're just going to release one model and that's going to be it for the next, you know, 15 years, the consumer would not like that. They would say, you know, it's great and everything, but we sure could go with, you know, more of this, more of that and the other. And if Samsung is doing that, we would live in a Samsung world right now with everybody doing that because they chose to integrate or upgrade and innovate. That's what I was going for. So leadership is a process, a complex and dynamic exchange relationship built over time between leader and follower and between leader and the group of followers who depend on each other to attain a mutually desired goal. So it's not something that happens overnight. Leadership is about trust. People have to build trust over time. We don't instantly trust people 100%. We're skeptical. We don't know where that person's coming from. We don't know if this person is genuine. We don't know what type of motives they have. But trust is built over time. You know, I've worked here at Wayne Office. This is my mid, mid-seventh year. And we've built a lot of trust, right? I think they know they can trust me to do certain things. And I can trust them to do certain things. And we, we have that mutual respect and trust, you know. But... Uh, if I were to squander that by doing something, doing something unethical, that trust would go way down, right? Because they would look at me and say, well, we trusted you, but you blew it. So now we're going to have to guard how much we trust you now, you know? So trust and integrity is a valuable thing. You can't, you can't get it back 100%. If you, if you spend that integrity, if you do something unethical, immoral, you, you lose it forever. You can gain back a chunk of it, but you don't always get it back 100%. There are several key components to this working relationship. The leader, the follower, the, the situation, the leadership process per se, and the consequences or outcome. Consequences is used in either a positive or negative. It's just what is the outcome. Across time, each component interacts with and influences the other components. Whatever the consequences or outcomes, such as leader, follower, trust, are created, uh, influence future interactions. As any one of the components changes, so too will leadership. And so... Uh, you have to understand that this thing is a dynamic and fluid thing. It changes over time. As people change, uh, so does the leadership style. So does that uh, relationship. And change is not always uh, a negative. It, it can be a very positive. Like when I first started here, they were very guarded of me. Like they didn't know, okay, is this person competent or capable? Or what are they doing? What are they not doing right? What do they need to work on? So it's a continual buildup that you have over time. And so this graphic just kind of illustrates those interactions, the leader, the context, the followers, and the consequences. Uh, it's not a very great, good graphic, in my opinion, but it does just illustrate these different interactions that occur, and uh, you have to consider uh, all the different facets. So uh, in one case, like, so I guess a, uh, what I'm reaching for right now is the criminal justice system. I think it's interesting that two people can commit the same crime in the exact uh, same way, but both of them get different outcomes. And the reason they get different outcomes, somebody might get acquitted or they walk, and the other person might go to prison for a long time. Part of that is the context. Part of it is the leader. The judge has a lot of influence, right? Um, and the followers are, you know, the jury is this independent body, but they take a lot of cues from what the judge says, you know, who's supposed to be a neutral arbiter. Uh, and then the, the situation, you know, what, the, what was the context by which the crime was committed? Was it done premeditated? Did, they, did it happen, you know, all of a sudden? I mean, what, what's the context here, the, the nuance? So that does lead to different outcomes. So leaders are people who take charge of or guide the activities of others. They are often seen as the focus or orchestrator of group activities. 
the people who set the tone of the group so that it can move forward to attain its goals. Leaders provide the group with what is required to fulfill its maintenance and task-related needs. Um, one challenge that I've seen as a leader is just getting started. Like, there's, you have to break the ice somehow and get things moving, and once they move, you can make adjustments. But that, that an early phase of trying to get things going, that is often the most challenging, right? Because uh, it takes a lot of will to get things off the ground and moving. But once you get moving, you can make adjustments. The follower is not a passive player in the leadership process. Edwin Hollander, after many years of studying leadership, <coughs> suggested that the follower is the most crucial factor in any leadership event. It is, after all, the follower who perceives the situation and comes to define the needs that the leader must fulfill. In addition, it is the follower who either rejects leadership or accepts active leadership by surrendering his or her power to the leader to diminish task uncertainty, to define and manage the meaning of the situation to the follower, and to orchestrate the follower's action in pursuit of goal attainment. The context refers to the situation that surrounds the leader and the followers. Situations are multidimensional. Sometimes a follower doesn't always see the context. As an example, uh, I would be the leader of my household, my wife included, and when we tell our kids to do something, they don't always see the context. You know, like they don't see the bigger picture of why they need to go here or do this or say that. Like this weekend's a good example. I took my son to a store. We're walking around, a lot of Christmas stuff, a lot of breakable glass, and I'm telling him to do things like don't touch that, you know, or don't go over here. He doesn't understand the context behind it. All he sees is bright and shiny, I want to touch it. He doesn't realize there could be a negative consequence because of that because he could accidentally drop it or knock it or break it. And, you know, so I have to I'm constantly, like, on alert when I'm in a store with him, so much so that I'm not having a good time. I'm just kind of having to watch and lead him. And so oftentimes I end up back in the car, which is not – my wife doesn't like that. She likes me to be in there walking around with her, so – uh, that's just the context by which that situation uh, goes, goes evolves. So, so the process of leadership is separate and distinct from the leader, the person who occupies a central role of the group. The process is complex, interactive, and dynamic working relationships between leader and followers. You guys know relationships are difficult to maintain, right? I mean, they just are because you have to – you're dealing with a unique individual who has a unique worldview, way of thinking, ide ideas, ideologies. And so – it takes effort to maintain a relationship and trying to do that with a large group of individuals that are your employees uh, or subordinates, that, that takes effort. So it's not something that you can just phone in and take for granted. You need to try to connect with every one of your subordinates on an individual level. That takes work. It just does. I mean, you might think, you know, if I've got 100 employees, how do I do that? Over the course of a year, you know, you need to do that. Uh, here's one thing that I had suggested when I was at University of Mount Olive. Um, there was something that they did for us, or they asked for feedback. What would make, what would be more meaningful to you? Like, you know, uh, as, instead of like getting some type of notification, you know, like if you've got an award or something. And I said, you know, what would be meaningful to me is if the president wrote us a personal note every so often. Like, and all he would have to do, I think we had, maybe 300 employees, and so just write one note a day, right? And send it to an employee on the list and thank them for their effort, you know, one note a day. And that's all the leader would have to do. And what it would do is it would validate that individual's efforts, you know, it shows that appreciation. That would mean a lot to me. That would mean more to me than a wooden plaque that you give me for whatever, you know. Uh, so, but everybody's subjective, you know, everybody's different.
so this working relationship built over time is directed toward fulfilling a group's maintenance and task needs. Part of the process consists of an exchange relationship between the leader and the follower. A number of outcomes or consequences of the leadership process unfold between leader, follower, and situation. At the group level, two outcomes are important. Have the group's maintenance needs been fulfilled? What do I need to be maintained as a group? That is, do members of the group like and get along with one another? Do they have shared set of norms and values? And have they developed a good working relationship? Have individuals' needs been fulfilled as reflected in attendance, motivation, performance, satisfaction, citizenship, trust, and maintenance of the group membership? Lots to consider. And the other part is, have the group's task needs been met? That is, there are also important consequences of leadership process for individuals, attendance, motivation, performance, satisfaction, citizenship, trust, and maintenance of their group membership. When we talk about citizenship, we're not talking about national citizenship. We're talking about belonging to that group. You know, you are you a citizen of this organization? <clears throat> are you a citizen of this group? And then you need to feel like you are integral or you're important. Um, it, can, it can get away from you. Leaders can get wrapped up in their day-to-day to-do list and busy, and they forget about taking care of those people issues, right? Taking care of, I mean, it makes such a big difference in morale when the boss, the head boss comes around and, and talks to you and connects with you. I think we've gotten away from that, in especially large organizations <clears throat> where people feel like they're numbers. People are not numbers. They don't want to be treated like numbers. They want to be connected with. They want to be asked questions. How are you? How's your family? Let me give you one example about that. Uh, I was at Walmart. My first child was born. So I've got a, got a brand new baby. I was out for a week, 10 days, something like that, to help my wife. This is her first kid too. So like, you know, need help, right? You just do. You're trying to recover and, and your war slam out. So I go back to work. Store manager never asked me, how's your wife doing? How's your baby doing? Not once. I, that told me everything I needed to know about that person. How could you not ask that simple question? And it bothered me. Like, how would you, how could you not say, what that says is I value so little that I could care less how your baby and your wife is doing. That's, that's, that's what they, that's basically, even if you don't care, ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. It, kindness doesn't cost. Be kind to people. Ask, how, how are you doing? How can I help you? Like, how's, how's your family doing? What can, you know, these simple benign questions make a difference. And they do reinforce the idea that this person is interested in me and cares about my, my well-being. Yeah, we need more of that. It costs no time to do it. It's like 10 seconds. How are you doing? How's your family? What can, what can I do to make your day better? Is there anything I can do for you? Tremendous. I love it. I tell people, I'm not in, a, I'm not in any kind of leadership position right now. I have no legitimate authority or title, but I do that. What's that? could be but there is an overlap whether you want it or not like and that's a good argument that's a good argument for why but when you work with somebody for years there is definitely an overlap between like I know the names of my colleagues children I mean you know like that doesn't do a work but you connect with people on personal levels you know beyond this strictly business and who wants to work for somewhere that's 100% business there is no there is no crossover. You need you need a little bit of that. What's that? Is there no feeling, no yeah, we the, we are human beings. Yeah, 
We are emotional beings. We, we have these emotions, and we need to acknowledge that and be empathetic. And so it's a valid argument, but I just think that we need uh, – we're not trying to get into people's business, but we're, we, you know, we're asking about how they're doing. So in that example, I think that manager missed an opportunity to win with me. And so uh, – but I, well, so point being is that I try to do that with individuals, even though, like, I'm not a manager. I say, you know – how are you doing? I, I actually tell my boss uh, at Sosa, I, or I tell my boss here too, I said, look, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. I got your back. That, they want to hear that too because they, they need to know they can depend on people. And so that's, that's just something we need to get back to is taking care of people and connecting with people's individuals. So, so there are formal and informal leaders. I would be an informal leader. Formal means that they're recognized as an authority figure in an organization. They have the, the title of manager, director, dean, president, you know, vice president, whatever, whatever those titles may be, they, are, they have an authority given to them by either the government or by an organization. Informal are people who don't have a formal title, but they take on a leadership role anyway. You know, they do things that leaders should be doing, looking after people uh, and trying to work on those maintenance needs that we talked about. So that's, that's just kind of a little division between those two so uh, people come across I'm sorry past leadership people come to leadership positions through two dynamics in many instances people are put into positions of leadership by forces outside of the group university-based ROTC programs and military academies like West Point formally groom people to be leaders we refer to this person as a designated leader in this instance the designated and formal leader are the same person Emergent leaders, on the other hand, arise from the dynamics and processes that unfold within among a group of individuals as they endeavor to achieve a collective goal. These are people that just may not be in a designated leader position, uh, but they just kind of emerge because of the, the context. Uh, some examples of this are situations in history or in, in pop culture where you see injustices being done and an individual steps up and says, wait a minute, this is not... This is not right, you know. Uh, we need to, I need to step up and say this is not right. We need to do something about it. And so that is an emergent leadership thing when they see some type of injustice being done and they step up and say this is not the way we should be doing things. <clears throat> Questions about any of this so far? Okay, just checking. So leadership as an exercise of influence Leadership is the exercise of influence over those who depend on one another for attaining a mutual goal in a group setting, but how do leaders effectively exercise this influence? Social or interpersonal influence is one of, uh, one's ability to effect a change in motivation, attitudes, and or behaviors of others. Power then essentially answers the how question. How do leaders influence their followers? The answer often is that a leader's social influence is the source of his or her power, meaning that... Uh, they have this uh, ability to connect with people socially, and that they use that to influence people. Uh, one of the things you see charismatic leaders do, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday, is that they, they connect with people, make them feel good about themselves. And because the person makes them feel good, the people want to be around them, and they want to listen to them. Um, we talk about this in business class a lot, but we look at good leaders and bad leaders, and bad leaders can teach you things too, believe it or not. So looking at Hitler as a context, horrible person, no question about it. Was he a charismatic leader? Absolutely. And the reason why he was is because he told people what they wanted to hear. He told the Germans, look, 
The world, they had just lost World War I. They, people were, the morale was down. Inflation was rampant. Uh, it was a dire situation. And he stepped in and said, the world thinks you're the worst, but I'm telling you, you're the best. And they bought into that. They ate it up. And they, they said he created a context by which these people wanted to hear the good things, right? And so when you're telling these people good things, they, they buy into it. And then he used that influence for his own negative or terrible outcomes. And so these charismatic leaders can be used for good or for evil, or for evil purposes. Uh, and so we want to be careful if we have uh, power, if we have influence, that we're doing it for positive outcomes, not just our own selfish needs or wants that we have. So questions, comments, ideas before we break up for today? All right, guys, we will take a break today. We're about halfway through the leadership chapter. We'll pick it back up on Wednesday. I will send out an email in a little bit um, and be able to look out for that. I usually try to send out a couple on the first of the week. Uh, take a look at that video we talked about. Let me know what you think on Wednesday. All right, guys, I'll see you then. Have a good one.